0: Welcome to Real Talk, Real Estate Discussions with Andrew Kirsch. In each episode, Andrew interviews industry leaders. We'll hear their real-time opinions on today's market, their background and unique career highlights and guidance for newcomers to the industry. You can find this show at www.sklarkirsch.com and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and more. Now, here's the host of Real Talk, Andrew Kirsch.
1: On the next episode of the Real Talk, we have a fantastic discussion with Bill Shopoff, the founder of Shopoff Realty. In an era of ultra-specialization, Shopoff bucks the trend by finding value across all asset classes, from Hospitality to multifamily to office to retail to everything in between. It's a great discussion that I had with Bill not too long ago, and I know you'll enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Today I'm here with my good friend and client Bill Shopoff. Bill, thanks for joining us. Right on the first question, I get a uh, a Wi-Fi snag. Bill's in the DFW Airport Lounge, so can you hear us, Bill? I can hear you. Sorry about that. Uh, hey, that's okay. You know, it's it's live. It's live uh, podcasting in 2022. So um, I know that. Uh, so thank you for joining us. You're in the at DFW uh, airport lounge. Where where are you headed? I uh, headed back to to John Wayne Airport, back home. So that's great. Just, well, over, uh,
2: just had a had a day trip over here for some business.
1: Quick day trip. I know, uh, not as glamorous as where you've been for for the last six to eight weeks, right? Uh, far less glamorous, but uh, <laughs> always happy to come back to Texas. So fantastic. Well, Bill, uh, I don't think you need uh, any introduction. Uh, you know, founder of Shop Off Realty Investments and one of the the largest developers who's based in California. I know your reach is is, is even wider than California. Doing. Deals throughout the United States, and I always like to say that there isn't an asset class that you won't pursue—from land development to vertical construction to, you know, large uh, infill office buildings, retail apartments—you do it all. I mean, how? I guess my first question is really, how do you, with such a wide scope, how are you able to assess? uh, what deals and how is there enough time in the day to evaluate all the deals that come into your inbox?
2: It's, it's a great question, Andrew. And I, I, I think if I had it over again, I'd, I'd probably be like a lot of other people and specialize and just do multifamily or just do office. But, uh, it's, it's how I cut my teeth in the business. When I started the firm 30 years ago, uh, we were buying, uh, pools of assets from the resolution trust corporation, the RTC when they were cleaning up the savings and loan debacle. And I tell people we, we literally owned everything from churches to synagogues to bowling alleys. And so, and we are, and we owned over a, a very broad geography. And so I, I learned, you know, how to understand markets and value, uh, I think at a very quick pace that I could, that I, and I got a good intuition for going to places. Uh, but now I do it a little bit different. I've got, uh, market specialists, you know I've got people who know certain product type better than other you know th- than other things they do. So if I'm doing a mall conversion, I've got a guy in my firm and he's done that for other you know you know in other points in his career. Uh, I've obviously got people who are specialists in the in, in the land entitlement business, but construction specialist. So it's now you know the, the firm's gotten you know larger in scale. We're you know we're 70, 75 people today. Uh, and as you said, we do work, you know, heavily concentrated in the in, in the West and Southwest. But we literally own properties coast to coast. I mean, we own everything from, you know, California, quite a bit in Nevada, you know, up
1: into the Midwest and, and over to Charlotte, North Carolina. So, um, so you're a broad reach. You must get flooded with uh, emails from brokers across every asset class, across every market in the country. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, I get four or 500 emails a day
2: and probably 200 of those are property opportunities. And I, you know, I don't spend a lot, as much time as I used to on that. Um, You know, I've got a couple of acquisition folks and they, they filter through a lot of it. If I see something interesting, I'll, I'll push the email over. The majority of opportunities that we really pursue are story opportunities. And I think that the, 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 the brokers that we do business with understand that, that we'll tackle things that are a little bit different. We tend to do um, more challenging assets where our pay is better if we can solve a problem. And um, we've gotten a, a bit of a reputation for that. Um, I, I guess that's a good reputation, but uh, sometimes it uh, um, you know, gives us uh, pause because we, 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 we can solve a lot of problems. I'm not sure today we want to solve as many problems yeah
1: we'd like to hit the easy button once in a while but it doesn't really happen much. i i don't i don't even think the word easy is in your vocabulary but what is in your vocabulary is the word yes where you always feel like you can solve uh problems like you said there's always a uh you don't accept no um from from my interactions with you and you're very creative and so in 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 doing so many different types of transactions from development from value add from retail to hotel to industrial is there a common theme that you see in all of these deals is it just the 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 value that you can create and and that's the common theme well i think like i said i think we're a bit of a story buyer if we if we see a unique
2: opportunity i i, I think that's one thing uh, in the last, you know, probably decade, we've also taken our focus to what I would consider to be better quality assets. You know, I, I, probably an early in my career, I might have followed the early days and I'll, I'll, I'll flatter myself to say that I could be anything like him. But, you know, when, when Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger got started, you know, they used to call it their cigar butt theory. You know, they they would buy a, a, a company at a good price and get the last few puffs out of the cigar butt. And, you know, what they've done is they've changed their theory over time and realized buying better assets and better quality uh, with, with longevity and, you know, some brand awareness that had, you know, what they call a moat around it. And, and I would say that's a little bit more of what we're trying to do today, where we're, we're looking for very unique assets that um, we, can, we can do something with them that others can't. And they're in; they irreplaceable. I, I, like I, I've, I've told my my team, you know, if I want to buy a stock, I can wait for the entry point. I may never get there, but each there's no the share of stocks not you know not unique. There's millions and millions of shares of Tesla, for example, and every share is the same. And whether you buy it on Tuesday or Wednesday, it doesn't matter. But if I want to go buy a, a you know a redevelopment site, um, you know, we just we just bought a, the Westminster Mall in uh, in North Orange County. There's one of them. And, you know, so if you want to buy that opportunity, there's one of that opportunity, and you have to strike while the iron's hot. Um, and, you know, people are like, well, you know, you could have waited. Maybe you bought it cheaper. I said, yeah, yeah maybe I would have bought it cheaper, but maybe I wouldn't have bought it at all. And if I'm buying an asset, in that case, I'm buying an asset that, potentially could have a lifetime value to me that we would redevelop and hold in perpetuity, um, you know, kind of missing it is you can't replace it. So I I think we look at different, different investments we make, we look at a little bit differently, but we are, we are value driven. And because we do so many other, so many different property types, one of the things I tell, you know, people that are trying to sell to me or we're not really the sellers, but the brokers is look, we're not as smart as some of the other guys uh, because they're specialists. So we just have to buy at a wider margin uh, to make up for, you know, anything that we might've missed or a mistake we might make along the way. Cause we're, we're, uh, we're not multifamily geniuses. We're good at it, but we're not, that's not all we do all day long. I think we're really good at it by the way, but yeah. and I think, and I think we do, we do most things really well. And if we don't, if we don't think we can do them well, we probably don't do them at all. Uh, and I will say, there's a couple of things we probably tried to do that we wish we hadn't. Uh, you know, over the last thirty years, I mean, I, I've bought, and sold over a
1: thousand assets, uh, which is, a, you know, in my mind, it's a pretty remarkable track record. So, you've kept a lot of title companies, brokers, law firms uh, busy with a thousand assets. You know. Uh, Uh, I'm sure no one will ever uh, get mad at being compared to one of the wealthiest uh, people in the world. But when you uh, mentioned, when you were talking about there's very few of these assets like the Westminster Mall, that's exactly what Steve Ballmer said when he bought the Clippers. There are only 30 basketball teams. And if I overspend, in his case, maybe it was several hundred million uh, and people said, what are you doing spending $2 billion on a basketball team when the next Person presumably was going to only spend only spend a billion five or a billion six. He said, "There's only thirty of them, and I want it, and I wanted to make sure that I got this asset." So, yeah, I think if you look, if you've got, look, he he also wanted to be out of Staples Arena, and he
2: he he bought the the Forum for two hundred and fifty million. Yeah, the the
1: the Madison Square Guards bought for twenty million. So, he, he, well, he didn't want anyone objecting to his uh his uh the stadium that he's building down the road yeah
2: you look you 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 have a focus and a vision and a in a, a dream for your business and you know you try to build on that and i think that's what i've tried to do you know for the last 40 plus years in business and 30 uh with shop off realty investments and I, I you know look i'm i i've i've made plenty of mistakes I, I you know i i could go we could do a whole episode on my mistakes uh I, I, my, my worst, I wouldn't say my worst, but the worst ratio. I bought a, I bought a rundown apartment building for seventy two million dollars seventy two thousand dollars ninety six unit rundown apartment building, and I lost millions on that deal. Like, how do you buy something for seventy two thousand and lose millions? I could I could write a book just on that. One. <laughs> uh, but uh, but we did. Uh, but I learned a lot from it. And, you know, you could throw in the towel and you could say, God, I, sh- I should never do that again. Or you could say, man, that was an expensive lesson. I, you know, it was a lot, more, a lot more than going to the best colleges in the country. Uh, let's go create some value with what we learned from it. And we've gone on to do that. And, and, and we learned a lot from that particular mistake that we made.
0: Yeah,
1: well, uh, you learn from your mistakes and you gain confidence from your successes. Someone once told me. Uh, I want to get into your perspective uh, on today's market and some of the uh, you know truly uh, remarkable uh, developments that that you have going on currently. But before we do all that, I want the audience to 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 learn more about Bill Shopoff, where you came from, how you got into real estate. So. So I know you weren't born in California, but you don't have an accent, but uh, maybe it comes out after a few glasses of wine. So where are you from?
2: Well, I actually was born in New York State in West oh, okay. New York, and uh-huh. then I moved to Texas when I was five, oh. and, uh, and, I, and I lived in Texas uh, from five to 44, uh, Dallas, a little bit in Houston, and, and then in 75, I wandered down the road to, uh, Austin, Texas, to this little sleepy town that when I moved there, it was about 200, 250,000 people and 50,000 of them went to the university. So the town was the university. It's not that way anymore. I mean, the university is important to Austin, but it's not the, the center of, 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 the universe. Uh, and I got, I got a couple degrees from the university of Texas. Uh, I never intended to go into real estate. I actually, you know, I got an undergraduate degree in Marine biology, Uh, and you know, I was going to be the next Jacques Cousteau and I was days away from going to graduate school and getting my PhD. And I was like, whoa, this is the wrong pathway. My dad was a businessman. My older brothers were already in business, you know, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe I'll go back. And so I went back and did a year of undergrad and then got into the MBA program at Texas. But even at that, I was thinking, I'll go, um, I'm going to go to wall street. I'm going to be an investment banker. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. And I actually got a, a an offer from Goldman Sachs to be a bond trader, but it was to move to Houston. And at the time, my my then ex-wife, then wife, now ex-wife, uh, was like, there's no way we're going to Houston. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's Goldman Sachs. And, and, I, and, and to stay in Austin, the only offers I got were terrible offers. I mean, it was 1981. I think the best offer I got, Andrew, was like, 135 a year to be a controller for for a small business and they wanted me to pay the the the, uh, the placement agent fee
1: you you had to <laughs> they pay wanted it. Me to, they wanted me to pay the
2: fee <laughs> and I was already making more than that as a part-time broker and I was like you know what I'm gonna try this
1: real estate gig maybe not yeah make of it. And, Well what, you know, wait, what was wrong with Houston in 1980 your wife? then wife didn't want to well she was down. she was from New York City so oh, Austin, Austin yeah. was okay but Houston was not okay so yeah.
2: To go. There's yeah nothing wrong with the Houston, middle- but uh, <laughs> I, you know it turned out okay for me uh, you know obviously we had some bumps in the road uh, you know I've had some successes and failures but uh, <laughs> you know night in, in 92 uh, 30 years ago I, I founded this company with three partners uh, and uh, you know it's, it's, it's an unbelievable story I mean it, it, four, four of us put $250 in the kitty in May of 1992. And, uh, you know, I, I bought the last partner out uh, in 2004. And I can't remember the precise number, Andrew, but it was in the order of magnitude about 7 or $8 million for his interest in the company. Uh, so his 250 did pretty well. That's a good uh, R- uh,
1: IRR, a good multiple.
2: Yeah, um, he, he got a few distributions along the way too. I'm but sure. I, I will say, um I got no regrets. I, I probably overpaid him. Uh, but he was a he was a, a very good friend of mine, and we remain friends today. Um, you know, we've been friends since we were eighteen, and you know, I'm I'm not eighteen anymore. I'm I'm uh, uh, you know, I, I just got my Medicare card. So, uh, thank you for paying for my insurance. I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, so, you know, so then I, and then I moved to California about
1: 21 years ago, founded the company in Austin, Texas. Yeah. But so I moved what brought to California. You, yeah. What brought you, why make the move from, from California or from Texas to California? So we bought a,
2: we bought a, a number of properties in Southern California started with a, a a large portfolio from the, from the resolution trust corporation. Mm -hmm. And then we bought a couple of single assets and the gentleman that I had working for me at the time that was managing those properties, uh, liked my business so much, he decided to make it his own and stole about four or $5 million from me. And, uh, so I came out to clean up the business, Hmm. setting for a little time out at the federal penitentiary (laughs) and, Hmm. um,
1: you know, I don't think anybody's stolen from me since then. Uh, I, you know, I understand you thought, why. You, you should have a link uh, on your website as to what happened to that guy. Yeah, um, but it it turned out well for me, even though it was hard. I,
2: I commuted to California for about three years uh, running, you know, trying to run the assets and clean them up. And I thought I could sell them off. And, you know, being who I am, uh, you know, the deals got bigger instead of smaller. Uh, and I bought more, and you know, in in two thousand one, uh, my family and I decided to make the move. And over over time, we actually shut down our Texas operation, and and uh, now we're wholly based in in, uh, in in Orange County in Irvine. Although I've got I've got employees around the country, uh, but our but our corporate office is in is in Irvine.
1: What was the one or two transactions? Uh, in your career where once you, uh, you know, completed that deal, you sort of looked in the mirror and said, you know, I've made it. I uh, uh, This feels pretty good. I can, I know I can do this uh, as a living. Uh,
2: there were a number of them, but I'll say, you know, the pivot point for me was in uh, late 1994, We bid. We got qualified. You had to get qualified to bid uh, because we were we were bidding on a large pool where the RTC, the federal government, you, the taxpayers, everybody on this podcast is is uh, been one of my investors de facto uh, because I because I made money for them through the through the treasury or through the FDIC, and uh, we bid on a hundred and twenty-five loan portfolio. In, in you know Texas and the surrounding states, and uh, and it, it was a pretty good sized deal. And I know our 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 bid was less than a hundred thousand over the cover bid, on a very large transaction. And we had to put up a we had to put up a six hundred thousand dollars deposit, non refundable, and we had twenty one days to close. Hmm. And I think we needed and you know there was some leverage provided by the government. I think we needed like thirteen million in equity and. And uh, we didn't have it when we bid, and we didn't have it when we put up the deposit, uh, and we had 21 days to get it. And so we started making phone calls, and we, we kind of had a two-tier approach. One was try to raise at high net worth, and the other was go institutional. And uh, we made a cold call to Credit Suisse, at that time Credit Suisse First Boston. Uh, they took the call on a Friday afternoon. They said, sounds great. Uh, this'll, this'll date me, Andrew. I sent floppy disks in FedEx because you, you know there wasn't a way to do large files on the internet. Sure, like we do today, and I yeah. sent them overnight for Saturday delivery. The guys called us back, you know, Saturday midday, and said, "Look, we'll be in your office Monday morning if uh, our file review matches your your model, we're in." And they showed up, wow. and at, you know, noon on Monday, they shook hands, and uh, I've had a relationship actually not with the firm. But I, I still do business with the lead guy from that team uh, to this day. Mm-hmm. since so 1994, uh, which, I, you know, I think is, you know, for me, remarkable that, you know, we had our, we've had a friendship and a relationship for now 28 years. He, you know, our, our kids are the same age and we've watched them grow up. And, and uh, you know, so that was one. And, and then I'd say the other one was my Uptown Newport project. Uh, I, I, I got a chance to, to buy 25 acres with a semiconductor chip plant in Newport beach, uh, back in, you know, I started pursuing in 2009, tied it up in 2010. Uh, I tied up a 26 or $7 million deal for a thousand dollar check. How did you manage that? It was a public company and they, they'd been through a failed escrow and they didn't want to do another eight K disclosure. So they entered into an ex- what's called an exclusive right to negotiate, and we negotiated the purchase and sale agreement. But they didn't sign it. I didn't sign it. But the but the agreement was: I put up a thousand bucks. I do my diligence, and then if I'm ready to go hard, they'd sign the purchase and sale agreement. If they got a better offer, in the meantime, they were free to go take it. But they had to pay me a two million dollar breakup fee. Right.
1: That's so a thousand, pretty good deal. Th- thousand bucks.
2: Versus two million, it was a pretty. Good
1: that's deal. a great deal. You'll take
2: that any day of the week. And and, and that project has generated, you know, well into nine figures in profits for for the, you know, the various investors that have been involved in it. We're still we're still involved in it today, building out the apartments on it. And ultimately, it'll be uh, about twelve hundred and fifty units of apartments
1: and condos, uh, yeah, most right. of which- You hear these stories, and and it's like every. Next generation feels that it was easier for the prior generation to either meet capital, get deals done, different time period. Do you believe that? Or if you were starting out today, would it be harder or is it just just the old fashioned hard work, meeting people, uh, expanding your network and opportunity will present itself Look, I, 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 I talk to
2: people all the time about this. So let's call it the American dream. You know, you, you, you come, you, 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 you rub two nickels together and you create a business. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, people try to tell me it's dead. And I'm like, look, I, I just was on a phone call with a guy who came here in 1975 from Vietnam. You know, by Boat, boat family. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing an exchange and he had 26 million in cash. As a farmer. Yeah. So I, I I tell you, you know, I think it's still there. You know, does it take hustle? Yeah. But, you know, there's more information available today. You've got to be faster because, you know, the things that used to be arduous for me to go do, you know, I have to get in a car and drive someplace. Now I get on Google Earth and I look at something and I can make a, you know, I, I still got to go see the assets, but I can, yeah. I can get pretty far down the road with, you know, research and electronic media. and and you know, I, I still got to see the neighborhood and get there and touch and feel it. And want to, you know, I want to smell the air, you know, I just bought a dairy farm. You want to smell the cow poo and, you know, know what it was and what it's going to be. And, but I, 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 I would say, um, you know, there it's, it's not easy, but it's not harder. Um, look, look, it's not easy to be successful in business. Um, I'm, I'm mentoring a young man right now. Who's, playing in the NFL, like you. Mm-hmm. You talk about a small group of people, and you know, I, I I keep reminding him like, you can't just be great to play in the NFL because there's a lot of great players. You got to be outstanding. You got to be outstanding every day. You got to be better. You got to be one percent better than the next best guy.
0: I'm so uh, intrigued and that's what I think
2: suit. it is in business. Like I, I, I think it's a simple formula. I'll quote one of my friends. When people every time we're in the paper, one of my friends will, you know, somebody will call this broker friend of mine and say, God damn it. How did how did Bill do that again? You know, and uh, uh, he, he said, he, he, you know, this is his quote. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to put it in the third person. But he says, well, let's see. He gets up earlier than you. He stays up later. He works harder. He might be smarter uh, and he's completely tenacious and doesn't let go of an opportunity. Um, I think if people came up and did that formula. um and I don't even think like the intellect is probably the probably the least valuable of all those things. You know, if, 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 if it was about smart, everybody in Mensa would be a millionaire. Yeah. And, and, and we both know plenty of smart people, people way smarter than you and I. And I, I think of us as probably, you know, two reasonably intellectual people. Uh, and I know and I know a lot of people who are much brighter than me who can't figure out how to make any
1: money because that's just not their DNA. So, well, uh, do you do you know how to use Excel in a? Well, let me just start. Like, do you use Excel, pers- you Yeah, personally, I use. You? I personally use Excel at a at a at a high functioning level. Because other real estate people that I know will admit that they they can turn it on, but that's about it. No, I'm pretty functional.
2: I still you are. I mean, you I rely. I, on I, it. I, I I would say five years ago, I was probably. The number one or two guy in my shop T- wow. today today I'm not today I'm not in the top you know I, I might not be in the top 10 in the shop but my my high point of my day is when I when I show a uh, a shortcut to my I, I've got a couple of whiz-bang analysts and I can still show them a shortcut they don't know yeah uh, um, years ago I actually remember one one night my wife tells the story but uh, a new a new version of Excel came out and I was sitting in the bedroom reading the manual, and I was like, uh, "You got to come over here, man. This is amazing. Let me show you." This. <laughs> and my wife was like, "You're That's out some of your good mind." bedroom talk. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do still, I can maneuver my way around, but I'm not. It, it, and I do have a, I do have a skill, that, which, which is I can tell whether it's whether the spreadsheet is working right or not.
1: Like I, I, I can find a bust in a spreadsheet. Uh, I, I am answered. You you encounter people, and I do on a daily basis, extremely successful real estate professionals who don't use that technology, don't use Excel, and just use the back of an envelope and can tell this will work or not. And they have people that can crunch the numbers, but it's very uh, interesting to know that you, you know, the the, the head of the I, company can do this.
2: I, I can do it, but I but I'll I'll say that I'm mostly about using a yellow pad and a and an HP 12 C. Yeah, uh, because I, 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 I want to understand it at the, you know, the Excel level. But if I can't see it in the static world, um, mm-hmm. you know, I got to put this many dollars in, and it's worth this much when it's done, like, if I can't figure it out at that level, and again, I'd go back to, 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 to quoting my, uh, uh, my hero, Warren Buffett, he says, you know, look, if, if, if you got to go to three decimal points, to figure it out, you're probably not smart enough to do the deal because you can make Excel do anything you want it to do. It's, it's, it's like, you know, Argus is like the industry standard for, you know, commercial properties. And, you know, I, I would say the average person that, the, the average for stop people really know it, but the average person that gets Argus output thinks that's a real forecast. And I'm like, well, it's not, it's probability theory. Like there's zero chance. What I tell people is, there's zero chance that the model I'm using is going to be accurate. Sure. The only time it might be accurate is by buying a long-term triple net lease deal, with with you know, long term you know financing that that you know self amortizes. Maybe I get yeah. it right on that. Uh, but anything else, like it's a you know it's a it's a it's a forecast,
1: and you hope you're better than the weatherman. Yeah. Who? Uh... Who, well, maybe in LA they're correct, but not in a,
2: LA. LA is a pretty good place to be a weatherman. To be a weather
1: person, absolutely. Uh, we did have a little bit of rain uh, yesterday, remarkably. So, is the way you capitalize deals, the way you, you um, uh, get equity, seems very consistent with the broad nature of the types of deals that you're pursuing. I mean, you, you have institutional joint venture partners, you have a fund, you have syndications, high net worth. I mean, there, there isn't a capital uh, uh, formula that you just rely upon, while, like, like other uh, real estate owner operators. They're all in on, on institutional JVs or they're all in on their fund. Um, talk, talk to us about the different types of capital you use and, and, and why you use that strategy.
2: Well, I, 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 the reason I do it is because once upon a time I had, you know, strictly institutional, and I really had one or two relationships. And then, you know, one day I, I chased a very large transaction for about three years and finally landed it. I had the, uh, um, I, I had the, uh, I mean, the Turtle Bay Resort on the North Shore of Oahu that I got mm-hmm. under contract from a, from a Japanese bank um, for like sixty five million dollars. Um, and I took it to Credit Suisse who was my partner at the time and they were all in on it. And then they lost $2 billion in a day in a Russian bond trade and business was closed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all of a sudden now I got a deal and I don't have any capital. And so I, I, I said, you know, I don't ever want to be dependent on one type of capital. And so I, I have a multi-stooled approach. You know, I, I, I we, we raise, uh, you know, a fund through the independent broker dealer channel. We raise single asset syndications through that same channel, but also through family offices and, and direct high net worth. Uh, and then we have our institutional relationships, you know, and over the course of the history of the company, we've done business with about 30 different institutional partners cause they have and flow. I, 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 I say, you know, when you go to, you go talk to your institutional partners and you say, what do you guys want oh you know we're looking for coca-cola and i go out and i round up a six pack of coca-cola and they're like well we're, we're, we're kind of like diet pepsi this week we filled yeah. up our we filled up our quota of coca-cola uh and, and and so i don't ever want to be shut out of the market because sometimes when they're out of the market is when the best deals happen and and that's what's happened in the last couple of months
1: yeah it's, let's it's, let's it's, talk about that because I felt to that so. totally i mean this summer um i feel like the entire institutional real estate private equity world was off in europe uh for not just a one or two week vacation but a six to eight week vacation i personally thought they'd come back in mid to late august we'd cross labor day school would be back in session and the, the the private equity folks would say, okay, we got to get to a certain number. We got to dis- deploy a certain amount of capital to make our year end goals. And we'd have a normal fourth quarter, which in our business tends to be the busiest quarter um, of the calendar year. Turns out I was not correct that there is no price discovery, at least what I'm seeing. Institutions have not come back into the market and they're they're looking one to two quarters ahead Say we we may not transact until early to mid 2023, and so people are pivoting. They're still they're seeing some deals, but there's not a lot of price discovery. Um, so what's what's your uh, take on on today's market as we sit here?
2: Well, I think look the market turned on a dime. Um, it, we, we went from we're all in for all your deals to we're not in for any of your deals. Right. Although we've gotten, Over we've overnight. Overnight, and and I've seen it before. Um, I managed to get, uh, you know, a large transaction capitalized, but I can tell you it was, it was arduous. Uh, we got multiple term sheets kind of in discussion, but never really got them generated. Uh, we were buying an industrial piece of land and, you know, farmland to industrial over in Mesa, Arizona. I was able to renegotiate the price from 96 million to 70 million. Uh, and that kind of made the deal happen, but, but, uh, you know, it started with, um, You know, I I had a, I had a, I had a stretch senior mortgage Had a, you know, had a, I had a, one of my MES lenders was going to do a route you know, basically do an all inclusive deal and give us a, you know, stretch senior. And we had some equity to go with it. And that, that didn't materialize that fell apart. Then they came back and said, well, you know, instead of 65, 70%, you know, we'll do 55%. So then I put some MES behind that. Then my MES decided it actually, liked the deal enough that it took over the senior position and and i had a uh, and i had a pref equity piece behind the behind that and uh in in six days before closing the pref equity piece that was seventeen and a half million dollars walked and uh and we closed on schedule that's so, amazing wow. you know from from europe i was in, i was in, you know i was uh in, it began in athens when it fell apart and i ended in in lake como and, uh, sitting by the lake, I put the deal back together, uh, started with going back to the seller and asking them to carry a, a, a second and then, um, got that agreed to. And then my, my group that was originally just going to be Mez uh, then became the senior, became a super stretch senior, uh, and filled the, filled the entire gap. And that was, uh, Mavic out of New York. And the guys were awesome. I got give them a plug because they went from originally saying they're going to do 22 million to, to doing, uh. I think they, what they end up with $81.5 million uh,
1: into the deal. So they funded oh. basically the majority of the cap stack. I think so, they've earned uh, a nice bottle of wine out of your uh, wine cellar for the holidays. Uh, I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks for a dinner and I will be uh, carrying something for dinner. So Yes. Uh, I, I, but, I uh, had a feeling you would. Well, t- uh, stressful times, but at least you had a nice view.
2: Yeah. But it's uh, you know, look, I I think that the, the market there there's still there's some deal flow. I, I will say we're not we're looking right now, uh, but you know we 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 bid off a lot already this year, and and I think we'll, we'll close maybe two more transactions on the on the buy side before the end of the year. Um, we've got a we've got a you know two major sales happening, and um, you know and knock on wood those are going to. happen happen. Uh, we have a, you know, between them, it's, you know, one will happen this year. The other probably happened in Q1, but between them, it's about 600 million. And so we're pretty excited about that. And, and you know, one is a lot of hard money, so it's not going anywhere. And, and uh, they, they like their buy and we like the sale. And the other is a unique deal where I'm selling to a, 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 a user that's not swayed by the market. They have a, it's a unique asset. And they're gonna they're going to uh you know pay me a pretty significant price tag, um, which could be really good for me because I'll exchange that particular capital. The other's institutional partner capital and we'll just take our money, but uh the other assets uh private capital deal and we'll exchange out of it. And you know, we made the deal two months ago and we'll probably close it, you know, December, January. And you know, my my view is uh you know, we probably made 60, $80 million in savings, uh, what we'll exchange into. Uh, so it could be, you know, for me, kind of, I mean, it's kind of a life changing number uh, for a transaction that was already heading the right way. And, you know, if I, I, I think, you know, I'm going to be able to buy with my exchange capital, you know, maybe 400 million of assets that, you know, will cost me 320 and, uh, you know, of assets that if I bought it in, you know, June or July. So I, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'll probably maybe even better than that because, you know, the the because you talked about that pr- lack of price discovery. I think my sellers that I'm going to transact with are people who have to sell, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and so the people who don't have to sell, they're not in the market right now. I mean, right. you're seeing every day if you read the real estate alert every week, people are pulling sales down. There was just a there was a list of buildings that were on the market in Houston all different sellers but it was a couple billion worth of buildings and none of them have traded so yeah it, like, uh, in the office space
1: yes yeah, sellers still remember short just 4 or 5 months ago of what the values were and if unless if you have to sell like in your case why sell so when do you think we will see the uptick not necessarily the transactional volume that we experienced in 2021 or the first quarter of 2022 but just a normal cycle of of realist a normal velocity of real estate transactions what is it going to take
2: uh well i think the i you know i'll go i'll go in the danger zone here i think the fed will capitulate and the uh, interest rates will start moving the other way and you know, i'll make my bold forecast here andrew um, yeah you know, rates are going. Rates are going to be lower next summer than they are today. Um, I think you'll have a, you'll have a, conceptually. A, I mean, I, I, I hate to make a precise forecast, but I would be shocked to see a, 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 a ten-year at, at, at two fifty, next summer, maybe even lower, uh, because I think I think the Fed's going to completely overshoot, and then their only solution is cut rates. Um, I think it'd be, it'll be second quarter next year because people will start entering into deals in the first quarter. They won't really start closing until the second quarter. I, I think, you know, Q1, you'll see some transactions. I, I think the first quarter is gonna be people who have to transact. And the second quarter will be people who can transact uh, in, a, in reality. I mean, I, was, I remember I was talking to a broker, oh God, probably back in May or June, just as the market started to move. Started to shift and, you know, they had a deal in escrow and, you know, buyer tried to go from a, okay, you know, it was 25 basis point delta in the retrade, and, you know, but it was still in like the mid threes on a, on a you know, an Amazon type deal. And, huh. and, and I was like, and they, and the, and the seller decided not to take like a three and a half cap deal. And I said, they're going to regret that for, you know, in the moment, I didn't say it six weeks later. I said it, I was talking to the broker. I said, they're going to regret that decision. Uh, and and you couldn't buy that deal. I'm not sure there's a trade for that deal today, but it's got to be, you know, four handle or better, even for right. Amazon. I'm, I'm guessing right now. Uh, so I, you know, I think that. Uh, look, I've been doing this for a long time. I've I've gotten kicked around. Uh, the good news is, like I said, I've got I've got some big sales. I, I, I like the assets we own um we could buy a couple more things we've got one thing or we've got our eye on one deal that if it, if it gelled we would buy it but i i think you know we're gonna we're probably gonna take the christmas season off i won't be calling you on uh, uh new year's eve eve like i did a couple of years ago and we're pulling each other's hair out because trying to get a deal closed i think i think it would i think we officially closed the
1: last deal in the Pacific time zone that year. I, look, I, uh, I, re- I remember that vividly. And when you sign up to be in the real estate business or as a real estate attorney, you just know the final few days of the calendar year, it's going to be busy and yeah. uh, for tax purposes and because sometimes those are when you can strike the best deals.
2: Yeah, look, we'll, we'll say we're not looking, but I will tell you, i bet in these times of of, of stress or distress And I'll say, you know, we're done for the year. But I can tell you in the last 30 years, I've closed deals more often than not. Probably in the 30 years, I'll bet 25 of those years, I've closed a deal in the last week of the year. And and in, in at least five of those years, Andrew, I've closed a deal in the last week of the year that I wasn't even looking at the first week of the year. First week of the month. First week of
1: December. So somebody wow.
2: brings me somebody's bringing me in, 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 at least your team five loves times. you
1: your team loves what? you around your team loves yeah. you around the holidays I, I remember one year I took a uh, I took a close day and
2: I almost got away with the whole call before I said something my wife thought it might have been a social call and then I, <laughs> I, I I slipped something on my side and i I, 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 I still catch it about that call today uh, that that was probably 25 years ago. Uh, but, look, if somebody calls me with the right opportunity uh, and they call me on December 5th and say it's got closed by the end of the year, there's a price at which I'll go to work. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the price is, is going to feel like I can't lose and I can, you know, I can go get capital to, to, to activate. And, you know, my answer is, look, we can always go on holiday, uh, you know, the next week. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, I hate to be so mercenary about it. But it's business, and if there's an opportunity that we love, we're going to go to work for it. But I, you know, I think there'll be opportunities here, but it's, it's going to be choppy for a bit. Uh, we're to, you know we're likely to go into a recession. I don't I don't think it's it's going to, it's going to be a weird recession because it's it's driven by you know this monetary issue that's you know I mean you know I so saw the stock market was up eight hundred points today. Yeah. Um, on, 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 you know, some ridiculous news, just like the other day, it went down 600 points because the because the employment numbers were good. Like, it's why I do real estate, because I don't understand the stock market. Like, I don't get it. Um, at least I understand if a tenant needs my space and he can afford to pay the rent, I can make a living. And, you know, or, or a home buyer wants, you know, a lot, you know, wants a house in a neighborhood we create. So, you know, we're about filling demand for, for a customer. We, we, we don't create customers. We just fill demand. Um, mm-hmm. And we try, we try to guess where that demand is. Um, we, we try to look for trends. You know, right now we're doing quite a few uh, retail to other things, conversions, mostly retail to residential. But we, are, we have one that we're converting retail to, uh, to creative office. Uh, and it's, it's looking like it's going to turn out great. We've got a couple of tenants in line, uh, retenanting the city. The city's going to love us because we're taking a, you know, dark space and going to bring life and jobs back to the area. Um, and that feels good about it. I mean, that's the one thing I love about the business. Um, I mean, I, I mean they've been compensated well, but I, I, love that we get to create and, you know, my, 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 children are both artists. My son's a dancer, although he's, he's now back in school, uh, go get his uh, doctorate in physical therapy. My daughter's an artist. And, I, I you know, and people are like, oh, you know, where'd they get your artistic talent? You don't look that artistic. And I said, well, but I, I do art. I do art on a pretty big palette. You know, I, it's it's different. Um, but, you know, I get to design communities and places. And, and um, you know, that part's been a pretty fun job. So uh, look, how you're, you're, I, I came into the business by accident. Are you
1: good? Yeah. No, can't continue.
2: But no, I said I came into the business a little bit by accident and it's turned out to be a fabulous career. And, you know, I, I my my kids aren't going to come into the business, um, you know, not really a disappointment for me because, like, you got to love this business. And, and and they didn't love it because they saw how hard it was for me. I, I worked hard. Um, I worked long hours. I still work long hours. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I. I, I, know. I, 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 I I mean, I got to tell you, I had a different vision, I, you know, of what my life would be at, at, at my age. You know, I thought I'd kick back and, you know, come into the office a couple hours a day. And, you know, I still work of, you know, I, I tell people I work half time. I go to work at seven and I'm done at seven. Uh, it's half days. So, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of only in jest about that a little bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm pulling back a little bit now But, uh, because I've got a great team. But I love the business. So it's uh, it's been good to me.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's great to hear. I mean, you definitely have been a model, not just to me and a role model and mentor, uh, but a uh, someone to look up to of how you've just built such a great company. I see how uh, your colleagues and employees uh, feel about you and they work hard because they believe in in the overall enterprise uh, value of, of what you guys are creating. Uh, I always like to finish my podcast with with a few lightning round questions so so quick answers to these questions and then we'll get you on your plane back to uh, orange county um i mean you said you're an artist uh of a different palette but if you weren't in the real estate business what would you be doing
2: i'd probably be, be i'd probably be a full-time scuba diver <laughs> I'd be biologist I'd go back going back I, there. I go. I go back to what I didn't do, um, but actually, you know, I've got a sidelight light now. Um, I'll, I'll cheat a little bit. I, I have a biofuels business that I've helped nurture, and uh, you know, truly think we got a chance to do our part to save a corner of the planet. So that's probably what I would. I'd, I'd spend my days on that if I weren't doing this.
1: What's the best advice someone has given you? And I think you may have mentioned it already, but.
2: Uh, I, I think it's been golden rule. You know, it's, 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 it's take good care of people. It's, it's treat them with regard and respect. And, and because you never know when, when somebody's going to be, uh, able to help you or hurt you. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, being good, being good to all people that you come into contact with, uh, because they might be a counterparty someday, they might be somewhere in the back of a transaction and be able to help or hurt you. And, 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 you know, I want their help instead of on the other side.
1: Do you still think about deals that you didn't do uh, and you passed up or do you think more about deals that you did and you're like, oh, I should never have done that deal? Or what do you think more about the one that got away or the one that you're not happy that it didn't go away? Uh, that's a tough question. I think a
2: lot about both, but I, I've got a list of the of the ones that got away. Uh, and, and uh so I'll, I'll give my highlight, my highlight of my number one deal that got away from me. Mm-hmm. I had the land where SoFi Stadium is under contract uh, with a partner, and we were going to build the stadium. And wow. he and he was involved in another sporting mm-hmm. venture that went badly for him. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give too many details because I don't want to give the person away because he's. Yeah. it's not that it's never been public uh, and he, you know a day before we were supposed to wire 10 million hard deposit and close the piece of land he he sent an email and said i'm out so he was gonna he was gonna build a stadium in order to get a piece of ownership he did not own a team but it was somebody who um i mean everybody on the call would know him but i'm not going to give it up yeah uh, so that's that's probably my number one deal that well I that had,
0: that I would planned. take
2: the kick. Yeah. Okay, because, because I because I I had negotiated, you know, a fee, a success fee for buying and getting entitlement, but my number one negotiation was I had uh, lifetime seats on the 50 was mm-hmm. part of my contract. And uh, and I'm a big sports fan, so that would have been yeah. a nice a nice thing to have. So, so have you been to SoFi? I have. I've not been to a football game. I'm I'm going to a game in a couple of weeks. Uh, my first football game. I saw the Rolling Stones there last year. Okay. Um, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting place. I you know I you know I spent a lot of money for it. I'm not sure if, you know, I mean it, it wasn't well rated in the in the stadiums. It was actually rated toward the bottom in a recent rating. Oh, uh, interesting. I, think, I think Allegiant Stadium is cooler for the money. Allegiant mm-hmm. was Allegiant was built for left. Now Allegiant's the one in Vegas, right? In Vegas, the home of yeah. the Raiders. Allegiant yeah. was built for less than the cost overruns on SoFi.
1: That's incredible. And, uh, <laughs> and you're in Vegas. Uh, yeah, I'm in Vegas. I got like a little project in Vegas, too. I'm building, yeah, am building you do. A dream, dream
2: Las Vegas. And uh, everybody, everybody's welcome to uh, come and lose some money at the casino.
1: Starting when, when will that open? When can we lose some money and go to a Raider game? Uh, January 2025 will open okay all right so we'll, we'll we'll revisit this podcast from your the hotel lobby Yeah, we'll see if your prediction was right with respect to rates and uh i just can't thank you enough about how generous you've been and uh with your time today and and through the years and our golf games and uh it's it's a pleasure to work with you and just to know you personally and uh to call you a friend well i would say the same andrew i i i
2: i love that we got introduced to each other you've been a real asset to our firm and uh you know it, it, in addition to or maybe more important than the work we do together i enjoy the friendship and uh you know i think
1: you're, you and your colleagues are uh, super bright capable folks and we love working with them i really appreciate it all right safe travels back to orange county and uh look forward to seeing you soon hopefully on a golf course uh I'll I'll ping you uh, offline about that. That that sounds great. All right, Bill. So, thank you. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: You've been listening to Real Talk, real estate discussions with Andrew Kirsch. You can catch prior episodes at www.sclarkirsch.com and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and more. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments and sharing this show with others.